prefacing this by letting you know that this isn't a big deal. So don't be getting alarmed if you're hearing about this for the first time. But Najee Harris went down late in practice yesterday at St. Vincent College, was taking his left shoe off and having the foot treated. No big deal. By all accounts, Mike Tomlin said afterward that somebody stepped on his foot and we just thought better of it and just held him out. Okay, the end. But let's get real here. That stuff is scary. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. I'm going to say it one more time, all right? Najee's fine, all right? Okay, it's a little too early in the day for something like that, I know. He's fine. However, if he weren't fine, although he is, what in the world would this team do at running back? And don't give me Benny Snell or Anthony McFarland or anybody else they've picked up, free agent, undrafted free agent, potential looming free agent once preseason cuts happen. No, no. You're setting up your offense, Matt Canada, and if you're smart, those things don't always dovetail. You're setting up your offense to be built around 22. You just are. I know that's not the way things go in the National Football League these days, but it kind of has to because he's your most talented player in your backfield, including your quarterbacks. And think about that for a second. You want the ball in his hands. You want there to be a ton of touches. You don't want to run his wheels off in a 17-game regular season. You'd like for there to be a dependable backup, ideally one who offers some diversity and keeps defenses a little more, you know, off balance. Najee's that guy. Najee is that guy that you want to build around in your offensive backfield. Look around the NFL, you'll find there are only a handful of them. The Steelers are blessed to have one of them. They do not have a replacement for him. They will not have a replacement for him. But it got me to thinking, is he the single most irreplaceable piece on the entire roster? Is he the one guy the team could least afford to lose Kind of the way Ben Roethlisberger was for, oh, 18 straight years. And if he is that guy, doesn't that make the Steelers a little bit more of a durable commodity to get through 17 games and playoffs and whatever else if the player who's the most irreplaceable is playing a less important position? Yeah, I I know this is starting to get a little bit deep and philosophical, but I've got some other candidates to put into this class. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Logic would seem to dictate 
that your most irreplaceable player would also be your best player. Your best player on this roster, of course, is TJ Watt. And we saw last year, maybe more powerfully than at any point in TJ's career, the impact of when he's in and when he's out, often within the same game. Do you remember those games where TJ would be forced to miss like a quarter or two and everything would just kind of go kablooey? But then TJ either comes back or TJ's in there at the beginning and he's just doing everything and he's just awesome. And even in the playoff game at Kansas City, TJ was the one that came up with the mega play early that had you thinking for at least about a minute and a half that they could beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. That's that's just TJ. And even now here in this camp, he's been unbelievable. You know, nobody talks about it. Have You notice that? There's not any kind of uh, viral videos or reporting or anything that's coming out that says, man, TJ's having a great camp. You know why? Because it's like saying water's wet. But you're going to have to trust me that for every time somebody gets excited about a George Pickens bobbling catch or one of the three quarterbacks making some beautiful pass, that TJ's doing like eight great things for each of those. And no, he can't be replaced. He certainly can't be replaced by anybody on this roster. What do you do now? If he's out, you're going with Jannard Avery. You're going with Derek Tuska. You're going with, I don't know. You're bringing in people off the street at this point. But, but most irreplaceable. Ooh, again, you have to start weighing the different positions. That's not easy to do. Let me throw another one at you. Cam Hayward. And not just because Cam is all that awesomeness that he is, but because of the composition of the rest of the defensive line and the uncertainty that's already attached to Larry Ogunjobi because of his foot and Tyson Alualu because of his knee. We don't know how effective they'll be when they come back. We don't know how much they're going to carry into the season, meaning if they start the season at 90% or whatever it is with those injuries, how much does attrition lower that percentage? Now, add to that, and again, I, I don't mean to be doing this to you in the morning because I know this, this exercise is kind of no fun, but it, it's important too. Picture Cam just not being there for whatever reason. And picture the defensive line trying to compensate for that. I know, visions of Minneapolis, right? Of all the visions that can be concocted from taking on this subject, I would have to say that the ugliest one is that of Cam not being there. Doesn't mean he's necessarily the most irreplaceable, but it's the ugliest thing that could happen to the Steelers if he weren't there. Because, again, we just saw this play out in that awful loss to the Vikings. There's nothing in football that's more emasculating. And if you don't know what that term means, go look it up. There's nothing that's more emasculating than having a team just run the ball right down your gut the way the Vikings did that night the way the Jaguars did in that playoff game. Remember that a few years ago? Leonard Fournette at Heinz Field, just boom, 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 boom. And you're 
powerless to stop it. You're just like nothing. Everything else that you work on doesn't matter. It all gets blown up. Even your offense gets blown up because the offense can't get onto the field. So you know what? You know what? I think just in the course of this segment, I have convinced myself that it's Cam. Cam is the most irreplaceable member of this Pittsburgh Steelers football team. When we come back, J1Q. of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from BNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Tom, who says, Hi, DK. Last year, the Steelers had lots of problems, and many of them have been addressed, and you've discussed them yourself. What are you seeing at training camp in regard to fixing our issues at center? Does it appear that there's improvement or is it too early to tell? Tom, the easy, lazy answer that I can offer you is that it's too early to tell because they haven't even gotten into game situations. You can watch the offensive line's performance at seven shots or 11 on 11 and say, hey, that looks like it was this or like it was that. The cold fact is it's really hard to determine offensive line performance at field level, just standing on the sideline. I have no idea how coaches do it, but I do know and have a better appreciation after covering a camp why coaches are so fond of saying, I don't know, I have to see the film. I don't know, I have to see the film when we ask them questions on Sundays after actual games. Mason Cole is your center. That much we've established. They're not trying James Daniels there or any of the other stuff that was floated whenever they went and spent a billion dollars on the offensive line. They're also mercifully not going to be screwing around with any kind of sequel related to Kendrick Green. And Green himself has acknowledged publicly, no less, that he didn't even like playing center. If that doesn't get you disqualified from the position, I don't know what could. You want to know how I analyze the offensive line in a camp setting? I walk up to Craig Wolfley and I say, Wolf, who you like? <laughs> and that's about it. Because Wolf, it's all he watches. It's crazy. Like you can ask him about this guy or that guy at some other position and he's going like, I don't know. What do you want to know about everyone from left tackle to right tackle? It's what he does. It's who he is. He watches these guys like a hawk. The other day in Latrobe, I was sitting on a grass hill over behind one of the end zones, uh, just chilling for no reason. And there's some drills going on, and Wolf just walks right out onto the field. Got to share this with you. Wolf just like strolls out there like it's nothing. He goes out to about the 10-yard line. Part of the whole Steelers 
family environment that you hear a lot about. Wolf's been around for 40 years with this franchise on an everyday basis. And although he doesn't hold some formal title, obviously, within the team, they know what his relationship is. They know that he's played, that he's done everything in the sport. And he's just, you know, again, part of the family. So you just walk out there. And all he's doing is watching these guys. And I can tell you that Wolf's assessment so far is that he really likes these guys. And I've heard that from any number of people. You haven't heard any stories from any direction, at least not to my knowledge, of, whoa, the O-line is really struggling. Now, the defense has gotten the better of them. There's nobody who would dispute that. That also is just kind of common sense. The defense has all the experience on its side. The defense has guys who've been within the system for a much longer period of time, whereas the offense is still just kind of feeling things out and following through, like effective walkthroughs on their plays. The offensive line has also gotten some of the strongest reviews in particular, and I know you didn't ask about him. I'm going to throw him in anyway for left tackle Dan Moore. Moore has had to go against Alex Highsmith, who for whatever reason seems to get really, really amped up in these settings and tends to be one of those guys in every camp that you talk about. Oh, yeah, Highsmith looks really good, looks really good. And you want to see that carry over into the regular season just as an oh, by the way. But Highsmith himself was asked, who are the two players who've impressed him the most in camp? He mentions George Pickens, and then he mentions Dan Moore. Now, you could say he's being nice to Moore because that's the guy he's facing every day, but he didn't have to say that. He could have just said George Pickens like everybody else is. This is obviously a roundabout answer, but we're going to keep an eye on Cole. Okay, there's games coming up. There's going to be plays that we can all see, not just Wolfley. You know, we're all going to be able to look and break things down and say, how are these guys looking? It should be very much a focal point of the early preseason games. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Star Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow.